Welcome to the Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. Welcome once again to the Bible in Our Culture. I'm Pastor Jay McPherson with Liberty Remnant Church. Glad to have you back with us. This is where we look at the culture through the lens of the Bible and not vice versa, the Bible and our culture. I'm excited about today's show. We have a special guest with us, Pastor Brian Noble with the Family Policy Institute of Washington, which we call FPIW. He's the executive director. Would you welcome everybody, Brian? Yeah, it's great to be here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Pastor Jay. You bet. So, so tell us, uh, give us an overview. What is the Family Policy Institute of Washington? Well, very simply put, Family Policy Institute is defenders in the public square. So we defend and advance biblical values in the public square. And we do things on life. We do things on parental rights, religious liberties. We really look at those issues that are very clearly spoken about in the Bible and say, how do we defend that across our entire state and really across our nation? That is excellent. That's what I, I hope our listeners are looking forward to. So how did the vision and mission come about? Well, it was actually founded by Focus on the Family back in the 80s. And so then they ended up taking each state, about 39 of them. Um, They don't have one in every state, but 39 states. And they set up family policy institutes all across the nation. So we're a part of a bigger organization. And we really look at how do we take that biblical worldview into the public square and defend life and and religious freedoms and those type of uh, things that, that are important to us. So getting into the public square, seems like there's a lot of Christians today that think, well, really good Christians don't belong in the public square. We should just keep our nose out of it and just do what we're told. That doesn't sound like that's something that the Family Policy Institute of Washington is pushing. Awesome. So in exile, that was the context of Jeremiah. Right. And as I look at the Constitution, I don't feel like I should be in exile. Nope. But as I look what's happening in Olympia, what's happening here in the city of Spokane, and even, of course, what's happened in D.C., sometimes I feel like I'm in exile. So that's where we take a stand for what's right, get involved, and hopefully steer this nation uh, back to where it came from. Yeah, if you think about Christ's ministry, if, if Jesus would have stayed out of the public square, half of his ministry, over half of his ministry would have been gone. Wow. Because he actually would step in where the lady was at the well. He would step into the place where the blind man was. He would step in and minister in those areas and be, well, he is, salt and light, right? As as he uh, demonstrated that to us. He didn't just stay uh, in a holy huddle in the synagogues. Yes, he did visit there. And what did he do? He called them to repentance in the, in, in the synagogues. And so we need to have both ministries happening, both in the church, in the synagogues, and we need to have it on the street, and we need to call for repentance, that we w- could be a people that bring honor and glory to our Father. That is so awesome, bringing honor and glory to our Father by repenting within the church and it, it changing the culture. I think that's uh, a big part of why we have this radio show, The Bible and Our Culture, is we want to make a difference in the culture and bring biblical values to it. Is that kind of what you're Yeah, after? actually, when you look at culture, it's always downstream from, the, downstream from the church. Think about this. In the 1990s, we really went to seeker-sensitive churches that said, hey, we are going to water down the message to a certain degree and, and, and allow everyone to be welcome and feel very comfortable in the pews or in the chairs. And what is the outcome of that? The culture watered down morality at the same time. I mean, we're just in, it's a byproduct of what's happened in the church. Now, 
Of course we want sinners to come to repentance. Of course we want people to know. But when we take the message and dilute it, it gets diluted in the public square. Mm-hmm. So the church needs to repent, and we also need to be salt and light in the, in, in the public square so that people can see the goodness of God and taste and know that God is a good God and that they want to, to serve the living God. Excellent. My guest today is Pastor Brian Noble with the Family Policy Institute of Washington. So, Pastor Brian, a lot of Christians get a bad feel of being involved in the public square because they say there's so much backstabbing and dishonesty. And and I admit, I have trust issues all over the place. I have trust (laughs) issues with D.C. I have trust issues with City Hall. I have trust issues with the news everywhere. Uh, Why does it seem like truth has been left out of the public square? Well, I think some of our trust, we should never put our trust into individuals or people or to news organizations or those kind of things. Our trust needs to be wholly and completely in the Lord. That being said, we should be trustworthy and we need trustworthy people in those public square offices. So the Christians retreated from those locations. They retreated from places of influence. And so what happens is, is that we have oftentimes, whether it's news, whether it's uh, politicians, whether it's government, whatever it might be, we we get people with very low moral character uh, filling out those positions because we have taken our hands off. And I would say to individuals out there, if you've had a dream to be a newscaster and you're a Christian, step into that position and be a moral person, honor God, you know, show truth and and be a truth speaker. If you are called to be in government and you, you know, maybe you don't want to be a politician. I get it. I mean, I ran for office and I I like to say, you know, when God created government and when man didn't want God in their government, we made politics, right? So don't Mm -hmm. kick God out of the government. Begin to say, you know what? I can honor and glorify God as I do this. Why? Because God's given us that moral code that we can walk in that brings honor to him. So people get scared of it, of, of, of that. And in fact, Isaiah 59, 14, I think it says that truth was kicked out of the public square. And, and when you think about where we are today, we can't even decide if a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. Wow. We can't decide if right is right and wrong is wrong. We begin to say that which is evil is good and that which is good is evil. And why is it? It's because the Christians have retreated. And so this is where we need to start advancing biblical values back again to the public square. And, and, and the ability to do that is sitting right in our pews in our in our churches excellent so the the way to turn it back is the answer is in the pews in the churches now we live in the state of washington i've mm-hmm. known a lot of my friends who lived in the state of washington and said i'm moving this this place stinks and we at liberty remnant church we're we're right here in spokane washington and we're fighting for liberty we're fighting for righteousness and washington seems to be competing with oregon and california as the most wacko messed up it's like uh they're, they're sprinting off a cliff. I know yeah. a lot of Republicans that seem to be strolling, walking towards a cliff, but here's here's Washington, Oregon, and California that seem to be sprinting off a cliff. What do you, what do you say to people that say, well, Washington's gone too far, we might as well give up? Well, it, that's not a new attitude. We see that in the scriptures. When David fought Goliath, what did they say around them? They said, it's too big of a challenge and it's, we don't have the right person. So what did God do? He found the weakest, the meekest, the lowest. And he says, I'm going to use this one to show God's glory. And so we shouldn't retreat from these things. These are God's Goliaths so that we can stand up and allow God to slay them. And and uh, not in a physical sense, but in a, in a sense of truly out debating them, winning over culture again, removing the silence and having boldness and courage once again 
Because if we can defend life and we can defend our religious freedom, our parental rights and our families, and we can then begin to advance those biblical qualities in the public square. And guess what? The non-believer is blessed as well. Not because we judge them, not because we um, try to pull them down, but because they simply see a lifestyle and they're, they're, um, they're looking at it and they're saying, I want to have that same type of lifestyle. I want to live whatever they have I need to have. And so we have that opportunity. And I don't really feel like um, in, in our culture, men are made to retreat. I believe that men are built to take on the strong things, the hard things of life, and to stand up and say, enough is enough. It's time that we head in a different direction. Wow. I think there's listeners out there who bear witness with that, that we want to take our culture in a different direction. We want to defend our families. We want to advance righteousness and God-fearing morality. I think the more I study the Bible and read the Bible, I can see that we have a biblically illiterate society. You know, you mentioned David and Goliath. That that really happened. Right. So many Christians think, well, that was a bedtime Bible story. I learned it when I was a kid. I learned it in Sunday school. But no, why, why can that not happen here today in leftist Washington? Well, it actually can. And this is why we're challenging people to be defenders. We we figure that if there's 1.7 million conservative Christians in our state. And if we could simply get them to do four things, pray. We know that this is a spiritual battle as much as it is a physical battle. So that they need to pray and pray for their elected officials. God challenges us to do that. We're going to ask them to vote. And we are being silent. A lot of times people say, well, I, I don't like either of the candidates. Well, until Jesus is on the ballot, you're not going to like either of the candidates. I mean, the fact is you are choosing between the least of two evils, mm-hmm. whether you're choosing a government official or you're choosing your pastor. If you're voting on your pastor, he is not a, he's not Jesus. And mm-hmm. so we need to understand that we're always choosing between less than two evils. And so find out what those principles are and what's important to you. And then we need you to engage. There is no excuse in the state of Washington why we can't have every initiative and referendum putting um, these insane legislations and laws back on the ballot for people to vote on. And I know like people say, well, we do it and then they change the rules. Then we got to fight harder and smarter so that we begin to win at the Supreme Court level. And so I, I just, I'm not a person that gives up. We need to stand up and we need to be very clear. I don't think we need to yell and I don't think we need to be derogatory, but we can simply be clear and concise and compassionate all at the same time and show that we are going to be people who are going to say enough is enough. Family is important. Freedom is important. And we love our state. We love our country. Awesome. So that was pray, vote, engage. engage. Sign and sign. Sign the referendums and oh, initiatives. Yeah, okay. I, I, I kind of mentioned that in passing. So. <laughs> but yes, those are the four. Awesome. So if if I'm thinking about a lot of our, our listeners, when they hear those four things, they're probably like Bill Murray in, in Groundhog Day. Right. Me, 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 me. How do they how do they get involved? What what can they do to be part of, of this group that FPIW is raising up? So FPIW, Family Policy Institute, has lobbyists that go in and work with the legislators. What we don't have is the political capital to say we have one point seven million people behind us. You can either change this law or we can have all 1.7 million people call you. you it's your choice, Mr. Legis- House Representative or Senator. So what we're asking people to do is go to fpiw.org. That's fpiw.org. And you can hit the defender button. You go down there, fill out the little thing, and you just put your name in the hat. That's all you're saying is, hey, I'm willing to pray, vote, you know, sign and engage in public square. 
We're not going to be asking you for money. We're not going to be asking you for anything. We want your name. And so if we meet a legislator that says, I'm not going to, I'm going to do a policy that's not biblically based or is not uh, conservative based, we want to be able to text you or email you and say, hey, contact your legislator about this thing. And we're going to make it abundantly simple for you to do so. We'll give you their phone number, their email. We'll, we'll let you know the information so that you can call and apply your voice into the situation. So that's how we're, we're raising up 1.7 million defenders as, as we go. This is a brand new program. We just launched it three weeks ago. And, um, and just seeing what God will do as we come together. A lot of people don't know that the Washington State Constitution says this, all inherent power rests within the people and the power, the just power that the government gets is governed by the people. So we wow. need to restore that. That's, that's uh, article one of our constant state constitution. And we need to restore that power back to the people. And so that's what we're going to do at FPIW. Awesome. Restoring the power back to the people, according to the constitution of the state of Washington. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Pastor Jay McPherson of Liberty Remnant Church. I would like to formally invite you to come visit our reality-based local church. A dedicated group of believers planted LRC about two years ago in the middle of the COVID-19 government shutdown. We are not afraid to apply biblical principles to weighty current day issues. In fact, we feel God expects it of his people. Our goal is to be a simple, relational, biblical church that applies biblical principles to the issues of the day. If you're looking for a local church or know somebody who is, please consider what God is doing at Liberty Remnant Church. We're meeting at 7919 North Division in Spokane every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information, please check out our website, libertyremnantchurch.org. That's libertyremnantchurch.org or email me at pastorj at libertyremnantchurch.org. Thank you. And we're back to the Bible and our culture, where we look at the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible and not vice versa. My guest today is Pastor Brian Noble of the Family Policy Institute of Washington. He's talking about how to be defenders, how we can defend the faith, defend righteousness, defend the issues that we're so concerned about here at the Bible in our culture. Uh, as I understand it, you're, you're going to get 1.7 million people who, who share the values of the, of the Family Policy Institute of Washington, biblical values, and be able to put some heat on our elected officials in Olympia, as well as anywhere. Right. What we're trying to create is local political uh, uh, political assets or capital. So what, what that is, is so we would be able to identify, let's say, a few hundred thousand in the Spokane area. And no one, at the, as I know, has done this yet. And to really define whether it's Spokane or Yakima County or whatever, wherever area, like even up in Kettle Falls right now, they're having some issues with transgenderism in the school district, that we would wow. be able to identify those uh, areas and then mobilize those people as defenders to step in and to be respectful, to be you know to be clear about their position and where they are, but to use the numbers so that when when Spokane City Council is making decisions that are unwise, unbiblical, and doesn't help any of the public as a whole, really suppresses the rights of some of the groups of the public, that we can have the mass people to show up and, and demonstrate their opinions and their ideas so that we can see that some of this will change. Excellent. It, it it seems like we're not listened to like we should be. 
And I, as we were talking earlier in the program, a lot of people don't want to be involved in politics because they feel like we're not listening to it anyway. Might as well just give up. Well, we're seeing our city council here in Spokane seemingly reject listening to Bible-believing Christians. It's become really clear. I mentioned it a few weeks ago on this program, how it, it seemed there was just all this misinformation. I'm not supposed to say they lied, but they spread misinformation that was such misinformation that it was 180 degrees from the truth. And they don't fear us like they fear maybe the LGBTQ community that seems to be very active. How would something like this work with City Hall? Well, I think there's two things. We got to build credibility as we show up at these events. And so this is where sometimes because people have pent up anger, it comes out in the wrong way, right? So they start yelling and, and they really don't represent biblical values in the public square. Screaming at people, cussing at people, calling people names are not what we're looking for. What we are looking for is robust dialogue and debate in the public square. And we need numbers to do that. When, when you remember the last debate that we had at the city council, a lot of those people were from the Valley. I mean, when I watched the, sh the video and was a part of that, um, there was a lot of people from the Valley. We need to find the people in Spokane City so that these city council men and women are, have the understanding that these are voters that directly are um, affected by their decisions. And so when you look at some of the things that they did towards uh, Mayor Nadine Woodward, or when you look at the ideas of what they're saying about the church and hate speech, the city council needs to get a clear message that, that the Constitution of Washington State and the Constitution of the United States clearly says that we have the free expression of religion. And so they, they can't hinder or hamper that in any way. And, and yet they're seeming to be able to put these things as this could be hate, hate language and those kind of things. Um, and I, I would if you have listeners who are doing things that are just like uh, destroying city property, those kind of things, you're not helping us, That's quite frankly. Right. Stop it. Knock it off. That is not helping us. What we need to do is have that place overfilled with God-fearing, loving Christians who will politely and clearly and very strong say, enough is enough. We have the freedom to pray in public. We have the freedom to express ourselves, uh, uh, our, our moral standing on, on issues of sexuality, of, you know, of how we're created in the image of God. We have the ability to do that. And so that's what we're looking for. But we need Spokane Knights to stand up and do that uh, and make sure that they're there. Since we last had a show about uh, Spokane City Council, uh, they had not yet passed Resolution 92. And Resolution 92, they suspended the rules to rush it through. And it basically said no hate speech, but seemed like they were defining the Bible or anybody who, who thought of God's view of sexuality was the right one. That could easily be defined as hate speech. It was left really unclear. And they, they rushed it through at the last minute. And it, it really broke my heart. We, we have to be down there, let them know that this isn't going to work. Uh, so what I'm hearing you say then is if we had more more people, part of this uh, 1.7 million or maybe 100,000 in Spokane, that we, even at a moment's notice, that rushing it through uh, last minute, we can hopefully get enough people down there to say this isn't right. Yeah, exactly. Like Isaiah said in 59, 14, justice has turned back and righteousness stands far away for truth has stumbled in the public square. And that's what, exactly what you're talking about. An uprightness cannot enter. But look at this. Truth is lacking and he who de deports from evil or departs from evil makes himself a prey. So it says that when you depart from evil, 
evil, you make yourself a prey for the enemy. Wow. And so when when we think about what what they're saying is what is hate speech and what what can be said and can't be said, the left is always trying to control speech. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. They want to yeah. control what words we use. In fact, I when I we did the walk for life a couple of weeks ago, I had a very nice man. I know he's good intentioned, but he's like, hey, could you change your language? I said no. I can't because the fact is, is that life starts at conception and it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and, and I'm not going to change that. Right. And so, um, when we think about this, the left is constantly trying to make us feel bad about our speech, even though it's godly speech, because what it, do, what it does is faith comes from hearing. So when they hear that they get convicted mm-hmm. of whatever their, their sin that they're struggling with guess what? As believers in Jesus Christ, we should be convicted of our own sin and repent of our own sin. And we should also not be afraid to speak truth. And we should do that. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, 15, we should do it in love because, because truth in the public square is incredibly important. And so I think as we have the numbers show up, what we need to make sure is that we don't have um, bad apples in that, right? Because okay. it just makes us look ev- even worse. So we need to hold accountability that we're not screaming, yelling, or doing any of those things, but really just saying, no, this is a moral issue. And our constitution gives us the right to freedom to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. The resolution 92, which was uh, seemingly given special rights to the LGBTQ community and almost making the Bible hate speech, that came about. I didn't know this till I was down there at City Hall. That came about because of vandalism done to the Pride crosswalks as well as to the Odyssey Center. And it's like, oh, whoever it was that thought they were helping, they really hurt us in in marching out there in, in what I think is a, a bad attitude. They actually did more harm than good. They may have thought they were expressing themselves and no one's going to tell me what to do, but because they, they vandalized, then it, it gave all the uh, those on the left power to make something happen uh, in, a, in a rush and really hurt us. Yeah, so us doing the wrong thing, it, the Bible is very clear, never return evil for evil or insult for insult or graffiti for graffiti or you know whatever whatever there it might go. be. We're not supposed to do that, right? But we're supposed to give a blessing instead. That's out of First Peter. And so to really think about when we're having actions in the public square, insulting someone back, you know, returning evil, saying, well, they deserve it, is not the answer. We need to do it a, the right way. We need to do it the professional way. We need to do it the godly way that really stands up and says, we don't want a rainbow crosswalk or we don't, you know, those kind of things. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was running for office, people asked me the, that question, would you be in support of that? And I said, well, first off, I don't think there should be any sexual crosswalks. I don't think there should be sexual, you know, I, I don't think we should have heterosexual um, roads names or anything. I just think it should be like a tree, like cedar or pine or whatever, you know. Um, and so I, I, I think we've sexualized our culture to such a degree that oh, yeah. people feel entitled to it. And, uh, you know, that to me uh, is is private. It should be, you know, in your home. And, um, you know, I... I just feel that we somehow have responded back in the same kind of what we've been treated. And and that is not the right response to take biblical values to the public square. It's, it isn't being um, a wet noodle or being sweeping under the rug. It is standing firm and being clear, but you're being godly at the same time. Excellent. So we've, we've got about five more minutes. My guest is Pastor Brian Noble with the Family Policy Institute of Washington. Pastor Brian, what are our primary goals of Family Policy Institute. When we look at the primary goals of uh, Family Policy Institute, we we 
first were founded, I think, with focus on the family, mostly about life. Like life starts at conception. Um, and we still hold that truth to be incredibly important and something worth uh, fighting for. Um, we know that in in our culture today, more African-American babies are aborted than any other uh, racial group. And I don't believe that we should have a black genocide happening uh, no. in our culture. And so I think we need to defend life. Um, since we started advancing marriage, uh, you know, the, the Bible is very clear about marriage. And I, I was speaking about this the other day about if the Bible mentions it, it doesn't mean it's political. For, so for you and I to talk about marriage doesn't mean we're getting political. We're talking right. biblical things. Mm -hmm. And God in Genesis says that a man and a woman, one man and one woman should get married, right? And they become one flesh. And so marriage, we, we work on uh, defending marriage and, and how marriage uh, should be protected and that definition of marriage. Uh, we also advance um, religious liberties. Um, so we want people to have freedom of expression, freedom to pray in public, freedom to, you know, do those kind of religious expressions and the rights of the church. So during the pandemic, if you notice, uh, we have the right to gather. It's in the Constitution, uh, Section uh, uh, 5 of our Article 5 of the, our Washington State Constitution, that says we have the right to come together and meet. And it doesn't have an exception clause of during a pandemic. Um, and so we have the right to assemble, and so we have religious freedoms, and then parental rights. And so you're going to notice that the left has been very crafty at knocking off each of one of these things. And why is it? Because each of these things are mentioned in the Bible. Oh. So if they can get the the Christian to say, think, oh, it's just okay on that one. Oh, it's just that okay on that one. It's just okay on that one. All of a sudden, we have the whole culture change because we have no biblical worldview in, in the public square any longer. Well, it's, that's, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, as a kid growing up in the state of Washington, I learned about abortion as, as kind of a political thing, but it was truly a, a biblical thing, a moral thing. And maybe you'd hear abstinence, education might be mentioned here and there. Then as homosexuality began to grow, we started to hear more about that and, and biblical marriage. But now it seems like parental rights is right there with those others that we have, we've got to defend our rights as parents versus what they're trying to do. It's a law that was passed here in the state of Washington, uh, basically took parent rights away, basically made kidnapping legal in certain contexts. I'm so glad to hear that uh, FPIW is understanding the times and seasons mm -hmm. and knowing what God's people ought to do. Yeah, you think about this, it's a slippery slope. Like there were extended time periods on life and then we went to marriage, and that was a shorter time frame. And then we went to um, we went to our children, and look how short that's been. That's probably been on a seven year, six to seven year time frame. Where, for for instance, life was like forty years, you know. And so we're seeing these things get closer and closer and closer together. Mm -hmm. And it's because we we keep accepting it. We keep accepting it. We keep accepting it. Well, you know, it doesn't affect me. And I'm just, I'm telling you that we need a revival of repentance in the church where we turn back to the living God and say, enough is enough. We are going to be people who honor you, who glorify you, and then teach it to our next generation, teach wow. it to our kids so that they know what a godly biblical worldview looks like so that we can walk these things out in the public square and then get engaged. We got to be people who are engaged. And so we are looking for people to join us and say enough is enough. We're going to stand and defend and advance biblical values in the public square. Awesome. Well, I hope you can do that. I pray you can do that. We're about out of time. Thanks for being part of this radio 
show, The Bible in Our Culture, an outreach ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. Pastor Brian of FPIW, it's been so great to have you. Oh, thanks for having me on. If you have any questions, give us a call, or you can check us out at FPIW.org. FPIW.org. Wonderful. Catch you all next time, same time, same place. Thank you for listening to The Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. If you want to support this ministry financially, you could do so by going to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org backslash give and select radio ministry. See you next week at the same time.